0: From the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Oh, Mr. Tomliss, I'm so sorry to stop you. I do love that tune. But really, I must go home. I only meant to stay for a few minutes. It's no good now, you know, said the fawn, laying down its flute and shaking its head at her very sorrowfully. No good, said Lucy, jumping up and feeling rather frightened. What do you mean? I've got to go home at once. The others will be wondering what's happened to me. But a moment later, she asked, Mr. Tunnel's, what is the matter? For the fawn's brown eyes had filled with tears, and the the tears began trickling down its cheeks, and soon they were running off the end of its nose, and at last it covered its face with its hands and began to howl. Mr. Tumnus, Mr. Tumless, said Lucy in great distress. Don't! What is the matter? Aren't you well? Dear Mr. Tumless, do tell me what's wrong. But the fawn continued sobbing as if its heart would break. And even when Lucy went over and put her arms around him and lent, her, lent him her handkerchief, he didn't stop. He merely took the handkerchief and kept on using it, wringing it out with both hands whenever it got too wet to be of any use any more so that presently Lucy was standing in a damp patch. Mr. Tumnus bawled Lucy in his ear, shaking him. Do stop! Stop it at once! You ought to be ashamed of yourself, a great big fawn like you. What on earth are you crying about? Oh, oh, sobbed Mr. Tumnus. I'm crying because I'm such a bad fawn. I don't think you're a bad fawn at all, said Lucy. I think you're a very good fawn. "'You're the nicest fawn I've ever met.' "'Oh, you wouldn't say that if you knew,' replied Mr. Tumnus between his sobs. "'No, I'm a bad fawn. "'I don't suppose there ever was a worse fawn since the beginning of the world.' "'But what have you done?' asked Lucy. "'My old father now,' said Mr. Tumnus. "'That's his picture over the mantelpiece. "'He would never have done a thing like this.' "'A thing like what?' said Lucy.' Like what I've done, said the fawn. Taken service under the White Witch. That's what I am. I'm in the pay of the White Witch. The White Witch? Who is she? Why, it's she that has got all Narnia under her thumb. It's she that makes it always winter. Always winter and never Christmas. Think of that. How awful, said Lucy. But what does she pay you for? That's the worst of it, said Mr. Tumnus with a deep groan. I'm a kidnapper for her. That's what I am. Look at me, daughter of Eve. Would you believe that I'm the sort of fawn to meet a poor, innocent child in the wood, one that had never done me any harm, and pretend to be friendly with it and invite it home to my cave, all for the sake of lulling it to sleep and then handing it over to the white witch? No, said Lucy. I'm sure you wouldn't do anything of the sort. But I have, said the fawn. Well, said Lucy rather slowly, if she wanted to be truthful and yet not be too hard on him, well, that was pretty bad. But you're so sorry for it that I'm sure you'll never do it again. Daughter of Eve, don't you understand? said the fawn. It isn't something I have done. I'm doing it now, this very moment. What do you mean? cried Lucy, turning very white. You are the child, said Tumnus. I had orders from the White Witch that if I ever saw a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve in the wood, I was to catch them and hand them over to her. And you are the first I ever met. And I've pretended to be your friend and asked you to tea. And all the time I've been meaning to wait till you were asleep and then go and tell her.
1: Welcome to our Advent Sunday ritual. I think that's an extraordinary statement. Always winter, but never Christmas. That's the sort of nature of darkness that we look towards as we go into the winter period. Every winter, as it comes along, you know, we brace ourselves in our own way. Winter's characterised by snow, although there's probably more snow here than there is in the rest of Aspen, I think. Um, it's characterised by snow, by plants not growing, by the cold, by the need to conserve heat. But I think in ourselves, we each have our own winters, like the fawn in that story, desperate, in his own particular winter, no escape from that particular winter. There's a cold in all of our lives that blows through us, if we would admit it. And like those stone statues in Narnia, we too tend to become petrified by that. You know, when we see darkness around us, and it comes upon us in different sorts of ways. It could be through an illness, through the death of a child, through death of a partner, through any way or, or through our, our work falling apart. And suddenly we just see clouds all around us. We don't know quite where to look. And then we sometimes we want to come back into our own worlds and, and our homes and we find darkness there. And we look around and, if truth be told, we really don't know where to find the light in those particular moments. And, you know, our area in Aspen is a particular one for this sort of depression. You know, a lot of us come here because we think, yeah, this is the place to live. And then when we find it's not, in some circumstances, you know, depression's a big thing in this area. Mental health is a big thing. Suicide is a big thing in our area. And that darkness does tend to go on knowledge. We do prefer to Brush it under the carpet and not saying I own that darkness. I have that darkness within me. And Advent is a time when, really, we have to own the darkness. It's not just owning the darkness of the world and the light that's around us, but owning that personal darkness. And the nature of depression almost is a is a part of that winter, when we see no way out and we feel trapped by that. Sometimes you might feel that there is no joy around you. I people, some people say sometimes, I've not enjoyed my life for a while. And when we get to that place of not enjoying your life, where do we go? Where do we find that when everywhere we turn, there's that sort of sense of darkness? And in a way, Narnia, this whole Narnia story, which I'm sure that I've been told in America you you do know about Narnia here. Tom said I've only put on two shows of Narnia so far, so I see you do. The whole Narnia story is almost a study in depression, a space forever in winter and no Christmas, where we're oppressed by a being, the white witch in Narnia, who takes our fears and turns us into stone petrified. That's where it actually, petrified rock, it means to become rock, and you become rock as you're turned into stone, where no light seems to be at the end of the tunnel. And few of us really allow ourselves to admit to that darkness, or even the bits of darkness within it. We like to try and grab onto the bits of light rather than having the bits of darkness. However, in our going into winter, we begin to make We have the opportunity to make that journey towards it. Advent is a reflection on that darkness. And you reflect on the darkness as Advent, the coming to, as you hope to come to the light. Hope is something that is characterized by Advent. But it's a reflection on darkness. It acknowledges it. And it tries to find hope that can also exist within that. And it's easy, I think, to move into this season without really examining that darkness. And we're going to do that a bit today. The cold, or should we say, the lack of warmth. And I'm you know, just wondering, you know, if you're willing, just today for a bit, just to look into those little bits, those areas, maybe where you're not happy, where you've lost comfort. You know, despair might be a heavy word, but places where. Where the, which, that's there. Because if you are, Advent is a time to name them so that you can set a context for hope appearing. You can't really name it unless you set that context. Not to name them is to keep them hidden. Not to name them is to keep them hidden. And to some extent, to put, up a, you know, to put a spell on them that keeps them there but keeps them unacknowledged To name them is to open up to the possibility of hope. Like Narnia, we do nothing because of fear. I came across a poem uh, by uh, um, Henry Vaughan called From the Night. And the last verse of that poem says, There is in God, some say, there is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness. As men here say, it's late and dusky because they see not all clear. Oh, for that night where I in Him might live invisible and dim. And I think that points me to something interesting is that the existence of God in the darkness, the existence of the divine in the darkness, because we always think of the, of the divine as being in the light. But here, it talks about the divine as being in the darkness. And if you look at the beginning of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It is there, God existing in the darkness. And the end, God said, Let there be light. But the darkness was there first. And in that hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God and Immortal, Invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible hid from our eyes. The last verse says, Thou reignest in glory, thou dwellest in light, and angels adore you all veiling their sight. And then it says, O Lord, we would render, O help us to see, tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. The splendor of light hideth thee. And so fundamentally, that divine spark lives in that darkness. And in not acknowledging that darkness, we don't actually acknowledge the beginning of that divine spark. We shut ourselves off from it. To name that is to bring it out of the shadows. The uh, Native American Indians, if something wasn't named, it didn't exist. And we use that. We don't name it so it doesn't exist. And today, I would like us to name some of those untransformed ideas. There's parts of us that are forever winter. Think what they may be. Where are you forever winter? Where in your life is there no Christmas? Words by Christina Rossetti. What can I give him? Give my heart. Now, under your chairs... There is a pen and a bit of paper, and I'd like you to pick them up. And what I'm going to ask you to do is really maybe write down on that bit of paper, just anonymously, your, the darkness that, that you particularly have. Now, I'm going to say how we're going to do this now, so you know exactly what you're in for in this, because it's always best to say from the beginning, what we're going to do is we're going to write down these things on the bit of paper. Now, you know, it, it it could be anything. You know, if you're if you're if you're at school, children, it could be something to do with your, you know, things that are happening at school or at home or whatever. Write the things down, and then what we're going to do is we're going to collect them all up, and then in 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 a uh, a couple of baskets, and then we're going to take them the 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 the, the, the words from this side, and we're going to Invite the people on this side just to pick one out from the basket. It'll be anonymous. Your name won't be on it. And we're going to invite those people, when they pick them out, just to pray over the Christmas period for this particular distress, whatever it is that you have got there, and to be aware. They won't know who you are, but just to be aware of you. We might just read a couple out just to get an idea of the sort of things that there are there, but they'll be anonymous, Um, and we're just going to move it around like that. So I just want to let everybody know how we're going to do this. So if you are willing to do that, if you could just write down on your bit of paper any particular aspects of darkness that you would like to name, in a sense, you know, what can I give him, give him my heart. In naming that, you're actually opening yourself up to uh, receiving, uh, acknowledging that darkness that exists within you. Any questions or comments about that and really this is this is a part of sort of going into uh, the, the whole advent uh, experience um, and i think it's through sharing what what you know we have as a community our burdens through sharing that that actually we move on like you know we've been sharing our space with people who are homeless in aspen for the last two nights Seven people last night, seven people the night before. You just wouldn't know it downstairs. But we share the burdens, and that's part of that um, um, aspect um, uh, over Advent. And while you're writing that, Travis is now going to uh, uh, sing his uh, second song. So do feel free to write that. And that represents somebody's darkness. And I'm just going, going to invite you to hold on to that during this period of time and to Maybe pray for that particular, you don't know who it is, but that particular issue that's in front of you now. By naming the darkness, as I said, we make it available to light, the light of our community. Now, it's now come into the light by somebody else seeing it. We share the burdens and we move beyond our fear of there being never a Christmas. And that's the nature of us as a community, And we move through this together, just like a sea community in Narnia strove to overcome the White Witch so that the spring may come. We often speak here of a shared consciousness, but when it comes to our darkness, we often prefer to keep it hidden rather than to let it come into the light. Now, I'm going to suggest in a moment just we just hear just two or three of these uh, that have been written down. And I'm going to suggest that as a community, we respond when we hear and the words I'm going to suggest that we use together is when we've heard what someone has shared, we say this afterwards. I know this fear and I share it with you. Should we just say that? After me. After me. I know this fear and I share it with you. Know this fear, share it with you. Say it one more time. Know this fear, share it Good. Good. So, would anybody like to read their particular fear out or darkness out? Would anybody like to start off by doing that? Yes, John. I'm going to give you a microphone so you can do it, and then we'll say the words afterwards.
0: Physical disabilities, I know this fear, and I share it with you.
1: We say together, I know this fear, and I share it with you. Physical disabilities. Somebody else, yes.
0: Feelings of fear for my marriage coming to an end, and wanting peace for my family.
1: We say together, "I know this, this fear, fear, and I this share fear. it with you." Somebody else, yes, Jeanette.
0: Not living life to the fullest, held back by fear and lack of faith.
1: We say together, "I know this fear." I share. Jessica.
0: Concern for the health of my ageing parents.
1: I know this fear.
0: Brooke. Finances. Sorry? Finances.
1: Finances, yes. I know. Annie.
0: the isolation that comes with loneliness that comes from being a single soul.
1: I know this fear, and I share it with you. Maybe one more? Yes, Dana.
0: My darkness is when I feel separate from others, when I judge others instead of blessing them. I forget who I am and that we are all connected. We are all God.
1: I know this fear and I share it with you. And you know, the amazing thing is we do know these fears. As we hear these fears, we all have these fears at the same time. And so in a sense, you know, in our sharing our fears in our darknesses, we actually simply recognize the darknesses that we have for ourselves So I think it'd be lovely, you know, to have a little just time of prayer now. And I'm just going to say a a few prayers. And maybe as we do have this time of prayer, you can just be aware of of this person uh, who, who, who is written in front of you. Lord of darkness, we open ourselves to you now to meet the darkness in our own lives And we thank you for the darkness that's been shared with us. We pray that we may be able to hold and name that darkness in our own lives and in the lives of others. And so as a community, we can move together into the light of Christ. We pray particularly for those as well in our own community who are not well at the moment. We pray particularly for Tricia Nichols, who's not well, for Patricia Hill, for Will Welsh, for Barga alcott for Tegan Sullivan, for Soleil, Lee Bouguet, particularly for Elise Strickland, for Cindy Bonds, for Betty Vanderveer, for Mary Kay Brewster, for Royal Edwin, particularly for Gary Daniel, who played Arthur in Spamalot and just had a bleed on the brain and he's been treated in hospital. (coughs) Also pray for the family of Dalton O'Connor, who passed away recently. We invite that darkness, the divinity in that darkness, to come and help and heal these people who we've mentioned today. Amen.